Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so that you can have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 228, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, bitches. Whoa, look at you bringing it in hot. Well, that's because I, I got a little something on my mind, bro. I, I just, you know. Right, here, let me just ask you this, Matt. Just, okay. I'm just going to ask this, just throw it out there. And hey, you people, you people out there in podcast land, don't judge me if you hear me nibble for the next 30, 40 seconds or so. But anyway, Matt, have you ever been to an iconic restaurant or an iconic hole in the wall? And when you got there and you got the food and you took your first bite or whatever, you go, so this this is it? Because this is like, you know, average at best. Yeah, of course. I'm talking about an iconic place, man, where everybody says, oh, you got to go here. You got to go to McLaren's. It's fantastic. You, Oh, it's delicious. Oh, everybody, you come in to talk, you got to go to McLaren's. And you get to McLaren's and say, hey, give me this. I, I want the special. And you get it and you go, hey, I tell you what, you have a bite. Tell me what you think. Mm. Okay, so we think the same thing. This is trash. So that's my, that's my issue, man. I went to an iconic... Dallas restaurant recently. Okay. In the hood. It's a hood spot. It's an Oak Cliff spot. It's an Oak Cliff iconic spot. Now, some people would say I should have my black card revoked for not having been there sooner. But, you know, for whatever reason, I just hadn't made it over there. A lot of times it's for what the reason me and Matt have discussed before. You can never get there and it's not a line wrapped around the corner. And I'm like, I don't want to wait in line. Well, I went during the midday earlier this week, like yesterday, since today is Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be then. I happened to be in the neighborhood. I wasn't going for that, but I was in the neighborhood and I go, oh, I wonder if there's a line on Monday. And I went through and there was no line. And I'm not going to name the restaurant. And I went through and I go, oh, great. There's no line. Let me go through and get the hype. It's a chicken spot, fried chicken spot. Iconic. In the hood. And I said, let me get one breast, three wings. And dude, I was all excited. I took a big bite. I broke the wing. I'm a drum guy. So I broke the wing in the thirds. I took the drum. I'll save the flat for later. 
and I took a nice juicy bite and I went, where is the fucking flavor? Wow. That's really what I that's really what I said, Matt. I was like, where's the flavor? Okay, the skin is crispy, it's golden, it's whatever it's supposed to be. The chicken is definitely chewy, it's tender. Where I'm just asking, where is the flavor? It's like you just put some chicken in there, put some batter on it, threw it in a fryer, and forgot salt, pepper, garlic, onion powder, you know, Tony's Cajun seed, whatever you want to put on it, Matt. There was nothing. And then, Matt, I was very disappointed. Can't you tell? There were some fries on the bottom. I go, well, maybe the fries are good. And I tasted the fries and I said, finally, some freaking flavor. And then I, it dawned on me. That's because it had some jalapenos sitting on it. It didn't have any flavor. <laughs> it was from the jalapeno. Wow. Interesting. And so I put the fries. I threw my own garlic on there, my own seasoning. I put them in the air fryer to liven them back up. And that is what, uh, you know, that is how I consumed them. And so I was so disappointed by this place. Yeah, that is, that's unfortunate. That's wow, terrible, bro. It is terrible. And, and I've had experiences like, I mean, I don't know if I've had something that I would consider iconic that spit the bit almost to the degree that you're talking about. But there's a place here. There is a place here in the Birmingham area that we went to a couple of months ago that had gotten a lot of hype and was supposed to be really, really good. And we went and checked it out. And we were both just kind of like, really? Like, for the price, like the atmosphere didn't really work. And the food was, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't, for the price, it wasn't on the level where I thought it would be. Dude. Like, we both thought that. We are like, I mean, I, 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 it doesn't suck, <laughs> but I, I mean, like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Dude, there's a barbecue place in town, in Dallas, that gets so much hype. Oh, it's top five barbecue places. In Texas, it's fantastic. It's great. I mean, it's okay to say Pecan Lodge because I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I was, I was trying to be cool. I'm just saying, man. I didn't name the other spot. <laughs> well, that's because but, I've heard that from many people, and I don't disagree. And I always think it's interesting that they get all the fame. They get all dude. the accolades. Tourists come from all over the place. And to me, it's not its not even like one of the top three or four barbecue places in the DFW area. Bro, I, um, I've been there three times hoping that I was wrong. <laughs> and, and after the third time, I just went, you know, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just when you have barbecue in Dallas and you're talking about you know, some of the best barbecue you can get. And then when you have some that's average, you're just like, we've had really good. These taste buds recognize really good. And yours is not bad, but compared to the others, it's just average. And the others are just like, man, I wish I could carve a hole in my stomach and slide some more in there, but I'm, I'm literally stuffed and I can't do it. Like, you get some of that uh, Hutchins um, brisket. You know, you're trying to eat that all day long, bro. Yeah, I mean, and I do think that like a lot of different play. You know, that's what's really interesting is we start off the podcast on this wild ass <laughs> conversation. I'm sorry. No, but it's fine because I do think that there's something to that where, like, here in Birmingham, pork barbecue is a, is all the rage, and they have Alabama white sauce, which goes really well with the smoked chicken, the smoked barbecue chicken that's huge around here. 
But it's fascinating because there's a lot of really good barbecue around here, but it's almost as if, okay, so this place has the best ribs. This place has the best you know, pork sandwiches. This place has the best sides. This place has the best biscuit, like whatever. And, and there's all something that each of them do really, really well. Sometimes it doesn't even have anything. Like there is a super popular place here that has multiple locations where the barbecue is just average, but my God, the biscuits are insane. Is that right? It's like, it's like eating crack. Like if you could just go there and eat the biscuits, you'd be good. But the barbecue, the actual barbecue is just okay. Their sides are good. And then there's another place where the barbecue is insanely good and the sides are just kind of average. It's weird. I don't know what it is. But it feels like there's barbecue places that are, like even in Dallas, there's places like that where you're like, man, you got to go here. But what, what do I get? The Oh, you got to get the ribs. Well, I like brisket, chopped brisket. Or, oh, if you're doing that, you got to go over here. I mean, it's. Now, now I believe that because different people have different specialties. Yeah, it's interesting like that. All right. Well, that was a fun little start to the podcast today. <laughs> hey, bro, I mean, right, just right there for you. There it is. So yes, be- sir. before we get into a, a Cowboys conversation here about an article that you wrote that I, I always I love talking about this. It's like it never gets old. But before we do that, let's start you off by telling you about Greening Law. And again, you know, I told you guys the last podcast we recorded, I had a good friend of mine who was in a very bad car accident over the weekend. And I told him, I said, hey, man, let me give you the number of a guy who can help you out. I, I was like, worry about everything that you got going on. But when you're ready, give this guy a call because they're going to be able to help you with the insurance and all that type of stuff that you're going to be dealing with because they were involved in a car accident was not their fault at all. And if that is you, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice at a hospital, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, let I did this, I gave it to my friend, I'm giving it to all of you, 972-934-8900. You need to call the lawyers at Greening Law. Dude, the thing about Greening Law is just what you said. They take the headache out of it for you. That stress and strain, because I don't know if the other insurance companies taking advantage of it. They take care of that, man. They don't have. They make it so you don't have to worry about that. And what they do is they give you peace of mind through a very traumatic process. And if you can trust somebody to do that for you and take that burden off for you, my God, take advantage of it. Let them help you. Let them answer the questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. That's what they can do for you. And the thing about it is they don't get paid unless you get paid. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm just thinking all this money. What happened? No, they don't get paid unless you get paid. There is no greater incentive for them to work for you. That's exactly right, man. And that's how it works. I've been working with them for the last few months. They will do it for you as well. And that consultation is free. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. All right, I wanted to start because you had an article, and it's interesting. Anytime we talk about Jerry Jones, whether it's on the podcast or you see it all over social media, and this blows my mind because we've talked about it on the radio show. We've A variety of people have talked about this, but there is still this pervasive just idea that Jerry Jones is the end-all, be-all, running out there. He's the, the general manager. He's making all the personnel decisions. Nobody else has any input, and Jerry is just Quincy Cartering every single move that they do. And you had an article that was out today in the Dallas Morning News, and it, it's funny because I, I even retweeted, I said, man, if you are a Cowboys fan, basically, you need to read this because a lot of you need to understand, like you talk about in your article, Jerry Jones may be the Cowboys general manager, but his real role in Dallas is vastly different 
And if you're paying attention, then you'd know Jerry is the Cowboys GM in name only. Well, see, I didn't think it was all that complicated, man. But, um, you know, we should know that over time uh, that, uh, you know, different people have different takes on it. And I was looking for this take. Oh, okay. Is this it? Um, I, I wrote this based off of uh, an interaction I had with a, uh, with a reader sure. on Twitter yesterday. Uh, and it's a good dude. So it's not like he was being an a-hole or whatever. But it got to the point, and I get like this sometimes, where you're debating somebody. It's, it's a conversation, but it's kind of a debate. And the bottom line in your heart is, so you really think you're trying to tell me what's going on? Like, you really think you're telling me what's <laughs> going on? No, you know what I mean? Like, I'm serious. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you're a fan. You're an informed fan. But you're a fan. You really trying to debate me and argue with me who've been doing this since 1995 at this conversation. I'm, you know, you want to talk X's and O's, you might be a former coach and so you know more than me. But you're really trying to tell me who've been doing this since 1995 how the Cowboys front office works. Really? That's what you're trying to do. Okay. And so I answered a couple questions and then finally – and this is a good dude. I want to make sure that's understood. This is a good dude. He's not like an a-hole. He's a good dude. But finally, I just hit him with the lowercase k because, like, dude, I'm not going to go back and forth with you. Yeah. Because I think I was looking for it, and I can't find it. But his last tweet was something like, I've seen Jerry make in-house game decisions and stuff. And I was like, when? And, of course, there was never any follow-up to that. And, and then the next thing he said, I was just like, you know, the lowercase K, which is my way of saying, whatever, dog, I'm, yeah. I'm done with this shit. Uh, but again, he's a good dude. But the bottom line is so many people, whenever the Cowboys have something that goes awry, oh, Jerry's got to do this and Jerry's got to do that. Jerry's got to stop doing And I'm like, Jerry ain't doing that shit, man. Like, how many different times do I have to tell y'all, here's what Jerry does. And Jerry don't even like for you to say that because he wants, I'm the GM. I'm the Yeah, dog, we understand all that. But here's what's really going down. And so, really, I was just trying to break that down to fans. Like, you know, here's the real deal, so to speak. I think it's interesting because I, with like, with what you were saying, so all I did was just quote tweet your article. I was like, look, you guys need to read this if, if you're a Cowboys fan, basically. One guy tweeted at me and he said, even if his duties are all encompassing, all encompassing, they still work for Jerry. Ultimately, the failures of the last 26 years are still on him. It isn't like he doesn't have the means to hire the best which kind of echoes what this other guy said, because originally he said something and I, I just responded to him. I said, okay, I see you didn't actually read the article. <laughs> and he said, well, whatever, that's all fine, but he's still the owner and needs to hire competent people. Dallas made eight of the first 30 Super Bowls and none since, which is all fair. And, and again, I get that at the end of the day, it, the kind of what they're both saying is the buck stops with Jerry. But I think it's more nuanced, like you're pointing out, in the idea that, you know, the personnel decisions, the day-to-day -day decisions, the game decisions, all these things that people want to blame Jerry for. Now, you could point to it and say, okay, well, then don't hire Mike McCarthy. Well, if you think the personnel is the, the problem, then maybe Will McClay isn't what we think he is. Right. I would argue that Will McClay has done a lot of, of goodness. I think it's been the coaching, and there's been some disconnect. You know, to me, really, when you look at it, and we can all get frustrated at the free agency stuff. And I get it. To some degree, it's never going to change because Steven is what Steven is. He's a Jones. 
and the Joneses are going to own this franchise probably until all of us are gone. At some point, yep. they're going to pass it down for generations. True that. You know, and Will McClay, to me, he takes the information he has given, and then he goes out and finds guys that fit what they want. Really, the only thing that makes sense to change at any given point is the coach, but then you look at it and you say, okay, you were 12-5 and five last year. If there's a different coach, do they go further in the playoffs? And granted, maybe they do. Maybe at the end of the 49ers game, there are some decisions that McCarthy makes that in a different coach had been here, they would have come back, beaten the 49ers in advance. I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, again, this is all about the frustration of the team because even if you even if you were sitting up there and you believe Jerry's GM, okay, what are you bitching about? He put together a roster that won 12 games and was yeah. one of the most talented in the league. I mean, you know, I mean, really, that's the GM's job. Um, but, you know, what I try to do, Matt, on the real – let me rephrase that. What I do, because I don't try it, I do it, is no different than what I tell my students to do when I'm talking to my class at SMU, uh, when I'm teaching them about journalism and how to write stories. And they will tell you that I emphasize this to death. So this is a column about what I think Jerry is, okay? He's a GM in name only. But I also gave you some examples of how he's changed and examples of why he's not the GM that – some of y'all think he is, which is, again, when the Cowboys acquired Amari Cooper, who was watching all of his tape from every snap he ever took in the NFL? Was it Jerry or was it Will McClay? It's Will McClay. Yeah. If he was a true GM, who would have been watching every snap that he took, Matt? It would have been Jerry if he was a real GM. Mm -hmm. But instead, Will McClay is effectively the GM. He looked at all of it. And here's the difference. I mean, I don't really think this is complicated. Will McClay is basically the GM. He looked at all the tape. He looked at Amari Cooper. He thought about how he fit into the Cowboys scheme. And he said, Jerry, I think we ought to do this. What do you think? And Jerry looked at him and probably said, so you, you good with this, Will? You think he fits? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? How about this? Hey, Steven, how much is he going to cost? Because he's on the last end of his deal. Well, Dad, I think he's going to do this and this and this. Are we prepared to pay that? Yeah, you sure? Is he going to be one of the top five, one of the top 10, one of the top 15? How good is he going to make that? These are all questions Jerry probably asked. And then at the end of the day, I said, okay, if y'all think he's the right guy, let's do it. Now, yeah. who, made, who made that decision? They kind of all made it, but who, who brought the thing to him? It was Will McClay, the GM, effectively. But it's not to say that Jerry doesn't have some say -oh. Ain't nobody getting hired or cut or drafted without Jerry signing off on it. But, I mean, in the bigger picture, it ain't no different than how people run their households. You sit down with your wife, you say, hey, here's an idea I got, what do you think? And you go back and forth and back and forth, and then at the end, whoever, be it the woman or the man in your particular house, who runs, who makes the final decision, they go, okay, I got all the information, let's, uh, let's roll this way, you good with that? Uh-huh, okay, yeah, I can roll with that. Or maybe you decide you can't break it, and so, nah, let's just pass on it and wait for another time. But that's how people make decisions all the time, bro. Nobody just sits here and says, well, I mean, some people do. I mean, but who show, Who amongst us, our listening audience, just shows up and says, hey, I just bought a $50,000 car. It's in the driveway. Deal with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know? Yeah, it, I think, and that's where really this whole thing with Jerry is, it's not as simple to me as saying, well, it's Jerry's fault. Well, oh, if, if they would just hire a GM, if Jerry wasn't the GM, because he's not. Right. It, and so it's more than that. It's, you know, organizationally, you can look at it and say, okay, well, where have the failures been in any given year? Because what we will do is we will point to, well, the 2009, the, the 2016, even last year in 2021, pick your favorite year of, of failure where they had a good team. Okay, well, then you're not giving any credit to Jerry. The fact that, like you pointed out, they went 12-5 and five last year. So Will McClay and Stephen Jones and, and Jerry, who are the responsible really for the roster construction, they gave you enough to have a division-winning team that had an opportunity, that had a home playoff game at 12-5 and five team. Okay, so then do we say it's the coaching? Is, uh, and that's what I was pointing to is in a one-game scenario, how much influence in a one-game scenario does ownership and management actually have versus what's happening on the coaching staff and the execution of the players? So then they have to share some of the blame. And, and you can point at that throughout the course of time. You could make the case, well, if they had gotten rid of Jason Garrett earlier, then maybe they would have had a different coach in here at a different time that could have gotten more out of what they supplied them. So to me, there's so many different things here where it just is not quite as easy as saying, well, if Jerry wasn't the GM. No, I mean, most things, <clears throat> excuse me, require a nuanced conversation. Most things are not just basic black and white. You know, and again, in the, in the article I tried to point out, think about Quincy Carter, Jerry basically ignored the draft board and said, ah, we need Quincy, we need a quarterback, we need Quincy. And he took him in the second round when the draft board, I think, had him as more of a fourth-round guy. So, I mean, maybe you wanted to take him in the third, not at the top of the second. Now, you know, juxtapose that, that's a very good word, with Johnny Manziel when the Cowboys were, or Jerry was all hot and bothered over Manziel. Yes, we need Manziel. Oh, he's an electric talent. Look at all the things he could do. He put butts in the seats and blah, 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 blah. Man, you know, did Johnny Manziel ever get to Dallas? No. They took Zach Martin, man, mm -hmm. because that was, that was Stephen was like, dude, I love you, Dad, but you're tripping. Yeah. We're, and, not, and, we're, not, we're not taking him. And I think that's the whole thing of it. Yeah, at the end of the day, we can look at Jerry and say, you haven't delivered the championship. And, and you could say it's frustrating, the free agency, the lack of balls, really, you know, for a guy who's all about making money and has taken all kinds of risks in his financial career at times to not go out in the free agent market at times and, and maybe target somebody else. But the reality of it is they have given us teams that have been good. And that's where, to me, it comes down to, and you could say, well, Mike McCarthy's the wrong coach and, and Jerry and Steven signed off on his hiring. And so that's on them. Okay. But they believe it is. And that's where this whole thing gets convoluted, and it just doesn't make it as easy. There's so much blame to go around. The reality of it is, and, and I will agree with the guy who tweeted, at the end of the day, Jerry is the owner of the team. And when you haven't won anything of significance in 25 years, the owner is the one who is pulling all the strings at some – and he's either allowing you to have power to make these decisions or he's taking that power from you. And at the end of the day, whatever they've done and whichever ways they've done it has failed for the last 25 years. Yeah, ain't nobody arguing that. Ain't nobody disputing that. Um, but they've had. I think the problem is they've they've had good time. They've had good good teams along the way. They've had championship caliber teams along the way. Uh, but and I and I get it. You know, the bottom line is you haven't won. Um, 
I teach my class. I'm talking a lot about my class these days because a lot of this applies to this conversation. Um, the sports world, bro, and, and Matt will co-sign on this even before I, he hears it, is the sports world is about heroes and villains, man. Jeff Catlin used to tell us that all the time at the ticket. Mm -hmm. It's about heroes and villains. And so when your team ain't doing what you want your team to do, there must be a villain. There's somebody you got to point out and somebody got to take the blame for this stuff that's pissing you off. In this case, there's no easier villain than Jerry Jones. That's very yeah. true. He is, that is the truth. Win and fix it all. It's easy. Then do whatever you want after that. But yeah, win. And they haven't won. All right, before we move into a conversation around the block, we've got to tell you, oh, I, I just got a message actually on our Instagram, which, by the way, if you want to find us on Instagram, at Jam Session Cast. Bruised Biltong. It's the real deal. It's very tasty. You're going to love it. It is delicious. And we had a message from a DC Bakari on our Instagram who tells us that Jam Session Life, heads up, that Biltong is the truth. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it is. It is exactly the truth. It's fantastic. It's savier, savier, savory, more savory. It's right, tastier. Right. It's ten, more tender. I'm telling you, if, if you like beef jerky, you will love Biltong. It's fantastic. It's available at brewsbiltong.com. You need to go get your order in right now. Put in Jam 15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. It is delicious. No, nah, man, the thing about it, what I really like about it is it gives you a, a great midday snack for me, you know, because it's 240 calories, not much. It's 30 grams of protein, which is fantastic. There's no sugar. There's no additives, man. It's great for you, and it tastes good. To me, that's the best combination. It is, and it's available at brewsbiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Go get it right now. Order it. Bruce Biltong is badass. Eat it. And also, of course, Freeway Tire Shop, where apparently you were there just today. Because why? You trust JR. He's going to do the work he says he's going to do. And his crew at Freeway Tire Shop, you cannot, if you are looking for a, an elite level mechanic you can trust, Freeway Tire Shop is where you go. No, you have to, man. Now, I was there today because I needed uh, to get my car inspected. I also had a flat, or I had a slow leak, so I needed to check this out, and I had a nail in the other tire. Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, checked it out. Everything was great. Replaced the tire, took care of the nail, got the inspection, in and out in about an hour, less than 75 bucks. It's great. And here's the deal. Don't think this was some kind of Jacques Taylor jam session <laughs> under the cover special. JR didn't even show up until I was getting ready to leave today. This is how they treat all their customers, bro. Because uh, I told him I was, I was coming to see him. He started laughing. And as soon as he got there, he said, hey, and then he had to go work. And uh, five minutes later, I was leaving. So, you know, this is, you know, it's not just some special Jacques and Matt treatment. This is how JR treats all his guys, man. And you can trust him. And that's what I love about JR and Freeway Tire. It's about trust with me, man. It's about trusting that your car gets uh, properly diagnosed, trusting that they use good parts to fix it, trusting that the price is fair, and then trusting, man, that they stand behind their work. And that's what they do at Freeway Tire Shop. Online, you can request a quote. Schedule your appointment at FreewayTireShop.com. You sent me this article, and I thought this was interesting. The 35 unhealthiest grocery store items. I got to tell you, man, I, honestly, like a lot of these, I wasn't surprised at all. And I think sometimes 
Some of the things that are on here, I don't think people realize how bad some of this stuff actually is. <laughs> and this is stuff that over the years, like a lot of these things, I, have I had them in my life? Yes. The last time I have had them, like we'll just kind of go down the list a little bit here. But we'll start. One of the items on this list is white bread, like <laughs> just classic white bread. And I, I cannot tell you the last time that I had white bread. Unless I will, you know what? I probably it, it was probably at Dreamland Barbecue here in Birmingham because they serve like when you sit down instead of like chips and dip, they serve you white bread and barbecue sauce. Really? And you dip the white bread in the barbecue sauce and eat it just like that, like a like chips and dip. Well, that tells you what all you need to know about <laughs> white bread. It's considered a chip. I guess and I'm just telling you. Yeah, so, yeah, that's all you need to know. No, and it, but it tells you, you know, like that that type of white bread has little nutritional value with low amounts of fiber and protein, which is why the only bread I eat is, well, unless I go to like a, I don't know, some place and I order a sandwich and I can, I'll ask for wheat bread. I don't know if it's 100% whole wheat like I eat at home, but whatever they're giving me. The other right. one is Kraft Singles, the American cheese. I cannot remember the last time I had this because it is like eating plastic. It's disgusting. <laughs> Nope, I'm down on that, bro. I haven't had that in decades. Um, yeah, it was, as soon as I got old enough to buy groceries or be in charge of the groceries in my house, I let that th- I let that stuff go. Another one it's that's not, all- it's not even real cheese, is it? No, I don't think it is. Let's see what it says about it because I mean it's it's weird. It says each slice contains 25% calcium, but critics have pointed out the high amount of preservatives and colorants that go into processing the cheese. That's why it don't melt. There's also 250 milligrams of sodium and 60 calories in one slice. Good grief. Yeah, and it's not even that good. Anyway, no. the other thing that's on here, this is wild because I had a conversation with a couple guys at the station about this a week ago. Pop-Tarts. And I thought Bro. this was nuts. I was like, well, why would anybody eat that for breakfast? Because they're loaded with sugar. Like one Pop-Tart, or okay, it's two Pop-Tarts. If you eat two Pop-Tarts for breakfast, you are eating 30 grams of sugar, 9 grams of fat, and 370 calories. (laughs) But it's the sugar to me that's, I mean, 30 grams of sugar to start your day? What? Dude, I used to eat Pop-Tarts as like, to me, they were like a snack, like in the middle of a day. Not because I was trying to, you know, just like, oh, I want some some kind of donut, cookie, cake, something. But... I I I actually enjoy a pop tart, but I, you know, the the reason I've been able to lose weight and keep it off, Matt, I just don't lie to myself. I would I don't buy it, <laughs> dude. If I told you I went to the store the other day, and I picked up, uh, I was at Costco or Sam's, one of those, yeah, and I picked up some some chocolate covered almonds, and I said, I said to myself, I said, oh, okay, yeah, I I can buy these. I'll put them in a Ziploc. I'll put them in a the freezer. And every now and then I'll go and have a handful and I'll be good. They're better than M&M's. Hey, those real almonds, Jacques. And I got around the cart and I did some more shopping. I said, man, why are you lying to yourself? You know you're going to kill that thing in about three servings. Put that shit back. And so ultimately I put it back. <laughs> man, I just, it's weird because they, somehow we got on this Pop-Tart conversation Oh, I remember what it was. It was because we had some kid from high school that was like shadowing. They were having like career day or something. They were interested in radio. And somehow they had brought up the Pop-Tart thing. And I was like, Pop-Tarts? I was like, man, I I would guess I haven't had a Pop-Tart in 20 years. Right. 
And it was funny because one of the guys was like, really? I, I had some today. I said, pop, like pop tarts. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and the other, and then the high school kid was like, I had them for breakfast this morning. And I was like, oh my God, like pop tarts are like a dessert to me. Like I, that's, so, that's how I was treating them, man. Like a dessert. I know it's like a cookie. Like why would you eat a pop tart to start your, your like, that is crazy to me. I don't know. That just blew my mind. And, and so we had that conversation. The other things that are on here, I mean, there's, look, I mean, I think everybody's aware, like potato chips and Cheetos and fruit roll-ups and Oreos. I mean, yeah, we get that, whatever. Gummy bears, of course. But I thought it was interesting. One of the things that's on here is Gatorade. And this is one thing that nobody thinks about that with Gatorade and Powerade or any of those sports energy drinks, people don't realize that if you don't get the Zero or the Powerade Zero or the Gatorade Zero. Might as well be drinking soda. Pretty much, because that stuff has, and it's it's kind of by design. I mean, keep in mind when Gatorade was invented, it was it's called Gatorade because they invented it to help hydrate the Florida Gators football team when they were practicing in the spring and sweating out ridiculous amounts. So you needed like sodium and sugar back in your system. Well, now people are just drinking it to drink it. A 12-ounce bottle of Gatorade has 160 milligrams of sodium and 21 grams of sugar in it. It's way too much. Matter of fact, I haven't had Gatorade in forever, bro. I used to drink those 32-ounce bottles like they were going out of style. Yeah. And then the more I got into fitness and the more I got into diet, and it's not to say I didn't have bad diet days or meals or whatever, but just the more I understood it, I was just like, the way I was built was like, I'd rather eat some bad stuff than drink some bad stuff. <laughs> so I just, I pretty much have eliminated Gatorade from my diet and, um, uh, Dude, I haven't had a Gatorade in probably, uh, shoot, man. I used, I mean, you don't believe, I mean, I used to drink them every day during oh, yeah. the summer, 32 sure. ounces. Uh, I probably haven't had one, man, in about five or seven years. Maybe longer than that. Like, I literally can't remember the last time I had a bottle of Gatorade. Because it's too sweet now because all I drink is sparkling water and water stuff. Yeah, I, I will drink Powerade Zero. And it's sweetened with sucralose, which is not exactly, I mean, it's better for you than sugar, but sucralose is at least naturally occurring. But I will drink it, and it's zero calories, zero sugar, all that. And I, I will have one of those every once in a while. And I will say, like, I have gotten into, because I drink so much water that I take an electrolyte supplement. Because when you drink a lot of water, and then you work out a lot, and you sweat a lot, you're going to lose electrolytes. So you have to have a way to get them back. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, Gatorade and Powerade do do that, but you can do it without having as much sugar ingested. And then I, I've started taking like once a day, I take an electrolyte supplement to kind of give my body those electrolytes that I, because I do drink so much water that will get washed out and peed out and whatnot, I guess. But I will say two of the top three on this list, I was kind of surprised by. Rice crisps are on this list. And they say puffed rice snacks are light and airy, low in calories, but high in carbs, low in fiber, and depending on the flavor, they will have, like, the caramel-flavored ones have a lot of sugar and a ton of sodium in them. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that makes it. That's one thing that people, like, I read the ingredients pretty much of everything I buy, and I look and I see, and I'll just look at, at the sugar content, and if it's, like, it, too much sugar in my mind, I won't even get it. Oh, shoot, dude, I feel you on that. You know, I mean, I do. I had that same conversation I had about the chocolate almonds, dude. I have that about. I put so much stuff in my basket and take it out by the time I finish shopping, that because I'm trying to convince myself that I can have, that I can maintain, and I can just eat a little bit, and I can, 
you know, I can do the mat. I can have two Oreos and then I'm good for a week or two and then I can have two more. But I would say, dude, I'm going to eat the whole fucking sleeve. So no, just don't buy it. Um, or I have been known to do this, bro. Okay, I want these Oreos. Yeah. All right. I'm going to bring them home. I'm going to eat a sleeve. All right. And then I'm literally throwing the rest of them away. Not just putting the, not just, I'm, I'm telling on myself, I'm, I'm sharing with y'all. Not just put the bag in the trash can, because literally the cookies haven't touched anything. It's the bag that's touched the trash. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm talking about you either got to open it up and dump the individual cookies into the trash, or you got to destroy them by like putting water and shit all over them yeah. so that they're not, you know, because I'm telling you, this is stories of a fat guy. I have like, well, they're just in the trash. They're on top of the trash. I just put them in there an hour ago. I mean, you know, it's me. And then that's how you end up weighing 263 pounds, bro. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, that's true, man. I mean, it's, you know, it can be tough. And and, I mean, reality of it is for the most part in moderation, you're okay. But like you're talking about a lot of the times it's hard to do that. It's hard to stay in moderation. And, you know, I have found like if you just don't keep certain things in your house, then you just never eat it. It doesn't become yep. a thing. And even if you have a craving for it, you don't have it. So you can't eat it. So you're okay. And I, I don't know. That's one of those things that I've started looking at a little bit more. Sugar, obviously. Sodium, I probably still ingest too much sodium because anything, if you buy anything that's not fresh, it's probably got a ton of sodium. No, I'm, yeah, I'm down with it. I mean, that's just reality. And that's that's one of those things that you have to kind of pay attention to if, if it's important to you. And if not, no big deal. But I thought that was an interesting list. The other thing I wanted to get into here, and I guess this will turn somber for a moment, unfortunately. Yes. But did you see the actor and mainly known for his voice, Gilbert Gottfried passed away at 67 years old. And for those that don't know, he was the guy that was known for, I'm Gilbert Gottfried, like that guy. And he he voiced the Aflac duck. He's like, Aflac. He was that guy. Uh, you'd know yeah. him if you heard his voice. You'd know immediately who I'm talking about. No, I, uh, I I know who you're talking about, and I heard his voice. I was just to me, it was you know, I'm not a big comedy guy to start with, and and one reason made him good was he was over the top stupid. Yeah. So I just you know I didn't have a whole lot of use for that. Although I respect the fact that you know he's clearly one of the the great comics. I, I never could get into his comedy or anything because his voice drove me insane. Pretty yeah, much. But he he had his place, and I think he was fairly well-known, and he, he passed away today. And that makes it, so far, you had Bob Saget, who passed away way too young. And, I mean, God, that whole thing with him is still just insane. And then, of course, also earlier this year, back in January, Louis Anderson, the comic, passed away. So... Three comics that I think people were fairly familiar with, with Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and now Gilbert Gottfried, all way before 70, passing away, just way too young, man. I mean, way too young. Dude, the closer you hit those numbers, the more you have respect for the for the age, bro. It's like, it just doesn't feel old, man. And, you know, some of it is probably, and I, I'm not, you know, uh, I feel I'm 55, but I feel like I'm like 40. You know, I had yeah. a resting heart rate. Yes. What's your resting heart rate, Matt? My resting heart rate is I got it down to 59. Oh, ho, 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 ho. your boy's resting heart rate. Matter of fact, I'm going to send you a picture of it. Your boy's resting heart rate yesterday, 54. 
Yeah, that's impressive, man. And that's one of those things that I've been trying to get mine. See, my problem is, is that my resting heart rate, like if I drink at all, it'll like I'm trying to figure out how I can keep it low and also like how much I can drink. Like, for instance, say if I like when we went to Asheville and we went on that beer trip and I was drinking, I mean, I was drinking a lot of different beers and trying a bunch of different stuff. When we got back from that trip, my resting heart rate was over 70. Wow. Yeah, and literally just from that. And so then I don't drink for an entire week. You know, I go back to my normal workout routine and everything, and I've got it back down into the 60s. And so then recently I've tried to really cut back to say, okay, well, how can I get it under 60? Because I'm in good shape. I, I work out, you know, just as much as anybody who's in, I guess, good shape would work out. But yeah. the, the heart rate thing was one of those things where it's, it's so, alcohol affects it so much. And I think it affects it more with me because I'm on blood thinners. But right. it, I mean, it is it is insane. It like like for instance, it was 59 on Friday. We go. I didn't drink on Friday. Saturday evening we went out. I had three beers on Saturday. That was it. Just three beers. It went right. up to 60. I went out. We had a couple more beers on Sunday evening. Yesterday it was up to 63. I mean, just from that, like, that's the only thing different, you know, my diet's good and all that. And so then I don't drink all day Monday. I don't drink all day today. And it drops back down. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Well, mine was, uh, mine was great. It was 54 and then, you know, I had a lot of family stress and stuff last summer and it, dude, that's how I knew I was getting stressed and I didn't feel stressed, but my resting heart rate, bro, was like what you're talking about. It went from like 54 last summer to like 67. And it stayed in the 60s, high 60s, for like a month or two while I was dealing with all this family drama. And it's only now recently, I mean, it's been going down steadily, but I just looked at it. For the last month, it's been in the 50s. And now it's getting back down to 55. And 54 was the lowest it's been since like May. And so I was like, you know, my whole goal was always to get to 49. I have no reason why that was a goal. Man, that's just, impressive. Just like, dude, when my son had his physical before football season, guess what his resting heart rate was? God, his age, uh, probably doesn't drink or do anything. Nope. Man, I would guess, I wouldn't be surprised if it was below 50. Bro, that thing was 44. That's impressive. That's incredible. I was, I was so damn jealous. <laughs> No, yeah, you know, he'd been working out all yeah. summer and he was in great shape and his diet was good. And I was just like, bro, yeah, I would kill for 44, man. I mean, that that is it, it's it's I mean, I'm the same way. And it, it starts becoming a challenge. But, you know, they used to say, I don't know if it's like this anymore, but Lance Armstrong, when he was doing all that, his I resting heart rate 30s. was 30. Yeah, like 30, 32. A normal resting heart rate, like if you're in between 60 and 100, you know, generally you don't want to be closer to 100. Really, you want to be under 80. But 60 to 80, you're totally fine. But it drives me insane when mine gets over 70. And so I'm trying to make sure it's at least always in the 60s and trying to get it down under to where it can consistently be under 60, which it's just if you're going to drink alcohol, I mean, it is very difficult which is why I've really cut back on drinking. I usually only drink maybe a little bit on Friday and on Saturday, and a lot of the times not even on Sundays anymore. But it's just right. one of those things, you know, because I've seen, I can look at it and say, you know, I'm eating, I eat very healthy during the week. I right. work out five days a week usually. 
And then right. it's just I have some beers on the weekend and my heart rate will go from 59 to 63, 65 in the course of two days just from drinking beers. Right, right, right. And it's just wild how that how it turns out like that. Bro. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it is. So Gilbert Gottfried passes away and we got off on that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, because you you posed an interesting question in a text to me. Dwayne Haskins, the obviously you know, played at Ohio State in college, was a first round draft pick by Washington, was with Pittsburgh. Dwayne Haskins was stunningly struck by a dump truck and killed over the weekend last weekend, 24 years old while walking down the highway. And from what eyewitnesses describe, it sounds like he was maybe trying to cross the highway to get to the other side or something and was struck and killed by a, by a dump truck at 6.30 in the morning. Right. And apparently he was coming from a workout and he had been working out with some of the other uh, Steelers receivers or whatnot that had been in Miami, some guys. And who nobody knows exactly why he was walking on the highway. And, and who knows? But it's one of those things, man, where you posed a question, have you ever had a friend who died young? And I've had a friend who, but it was suicide. And I haven't had a friend outside, like something like this, where just a a, a weird, essentially like a freak accident. You know, I had some people, there's a girl in high school that was killed in a car accident, but we weren't friends. But a a friend of mine, when we were, I think I was, I think I was 20 years old and he, he killed himself. Right. But outside of that, I don't think I've had a friend that passed away at a, at uh, a young age like that. Well, I had one in the, uh, I think we were in the 10th grade, man. It was a friend of ours named Gerald. Went home on Friday, had an asthma attack and died. And so it's like, it was like one of those things where you saw him all week or, you know, saw him throughout the whole school year. He went home that weekend and never came back. And uh, that, was, uh, that was pretty, pretty, just pretty wild. And then the other one was a uh, young lady named Leslie Bedford, um, who I had gone to middle school with and high school with. And uh, we kind of lost touch after high school. But she turned out, man, she she was a 911 operator and she was murdered. Uh, She went to pick up a friend of hers and there was something happened. And uh, maybe the guy tried to carjack her or something. But basically he shot her in her car. And uh, and she died. And she was like, at the time, she was probably like 28. But, you know, it's at that point, I'm not even sure we'd had a 10-year reunion yet. So it's like, you know, you're right out of high school and you, all you did was go pick your friend up from work. Some idiots out there shoots you and you're dead. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's really traumatized, especially for young people, because they think they're going to live forever. Um, no, yeah, that's true. I mean, even even now when there are people... Like some girl I went to high school with passed away last week, and I, I recognize the name, but I, I don't. I mean, I, we weren't friends or anything like that. But right. even now, like if somebody that I know is in their thirties or even their early forties, it's still just so jarring because you just like to me, like even Gilbert Gottfried. Like we talk about these celebrities, I'm like, my, like I'm kind of planning on getting to at least ninety, you know? So. Yeah. If I'm sitting there and it's happening to me and I'm in my 50s or 60s, I'm going to be kind of pissed. Like ghost me is going to be pissed. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's it it's just it's cuz you're not supposed to, man. You're we're supposed to live longer than that. We all there, there's a reason why life expectancy is 
you know, whatever it is up into the 70s now, because that's, again, life expectancy. You are expected to live <laughs> until you get to a certain point. And if you're 30, 40 years shy of that, it just really is jarring. Bro. For yeah, whatever reason, me, you know, I mean, for yeah. whatever reason. I mean, I got to say, like, I, I, I'm, you know, Dwayne Haskins, I, I never met him or anything, and I wasn't a, a Dwayne Haskins fan per se. I mean, I, I'm not a, a Buckeyes fan or either of the teams, but, man, when I saw that over the weekend, I mean, I, I was just like, I literally out loud, I was like, oh, my God, like, what? Like, that is just, it's just stunning. It's jarring. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. just so dang sad, man. It just is. There's just no other way to describe it. It's just stunningly sad. No, that's a, that's a good way to play. It is because that's what it is, you know, and it's unfortunate. And so, yeah, you know, I hate not to get bleak on the podcast. And I know, like, my brother will be like, "Don't talk about negative stuff. You're bringing people down." And like, I mean, it's just reality, you know. Chris, calm down, God. Yeah, it's, it's life, brother. <laughs> it is, and that's just a part of it. But we will move on. So let's do that. We'll move on, and let's get our buddy Todd Archer in here. All right, it is time, as we always do here on the podcast. Each and every week, we check in with our ESPN Cowboys insider, brought to you, as always, by Blue Star Motor Group and BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It is Todd Archer. And before we get started, I'm going to turn it over to Jacques because apparently he has a question. I got a non-football question. We're going to start off with a non-football thing because we know you're going to stay for the Archer football. But I got this text today from one of my son's football teammates. Okay? Okay. Here's the text. I just want to know what y'all, how y'all would handle this text. Okay, this is how it starts. Okay, so my parents went on a cruise and they were supposed to send me money so I can get food for my dorms because I don't have none, but the connection not letting me. I was wondering if you could help me out and I'll give you the money back. What does that sound like to y'all? What? Basically, um, it sounds like one of those emails that you get. That's sounds like fake. a fishing scheme is what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Now this is a this is a true teammate. Um, my initial interpretation was because I know this kid, but my initial interpretation was you want some weed money or some drink money, oh, and wow. you don't have any, and so you're calling me to see if under this guise you can get some. So what I did was, what do y'all think I did? This is all interesting to me. Okay. Text to his parents on their cruise? That's a very logical. That's what I was very, wondering. Very logical answer. Actually, I did two things. I sent my son a screenshot and a text and said, what do you think about this? His response, nope. Nowadays, you can't trust anybody because everybody's <laughs> trying to scam you. God. That's literally what my son sent me. And this is his former teammate. Okay. I also texted the head coach. And I said, hey, what do you think about this? And he said, I know both his parents. Um, that doesn't sound like something that they would do. Let me give them a call and see if I can get through to them. And then about an hour later, he hit me and said, hey, I just talked to his dad. So he's in town. And I said, wow, young man tried to scam me. And the reason this just came up is, now, you know, I hadn't responded, but he just sent me another text that goes, they're supposed to come back Saturday and I have nothing at all. And I'm, I think I'm going to send him back the, that, well, I just talked to your dad a little while ago. You should call him. He's back in town. <laughs> yeah. 
That's not a bad idea, actually. God, that's amazing. <laughs> I think good on AJ for seeing the uh, dude for seeing it for what it was from the beginning. AJ. AJ has turned into like the realest dude ever. No doubt, it's, man. It's amazing. What He's like, oh, yeah, dude. don't trust that guy. <laughs> no, nah, man. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a real dude, bro. All right. Well, now that we've got life advice out of the way. Yeah, that wasn't the question I was thinking. But okay. <laughs> you had an article last week, Todd, and, and this, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, and then you had the article that came out where it was you and some of the other guys that cover the NFC East for ESPN.com. And it, it's interesting because it was, I guess, the, the general question of the article is, are they better, worse, or the same? And it was interesting how you kind of laid out where the Cowboys are at. You can't say they're better. It's hard to say that they're the same, but at this point, it, it doesn't... If they're worse, then how much worse would they be? And as you pointed out, with the draft still yet to come, they can answer some of these questions. And so it really feels like the Cowboys that, I guess, the jury is still out on what this team is going to be as it moves through the draft and, and eventually into training camp. Yeah, Um and look, I don't know if they're if we're going to come out of the three days of the draft and think, man, the Cowboys are so much better than they were in January based on what they do with if they keep all of their picks or they made some monster move. I guess if they made a monster move up and picked somebody that was not on our radar at the moment, we'd be like, whoa, dang, now they okay, now they're better. Or you know, we're not going to know until you get really through Oxnard to know if they're better, or have the chance to be better. But I. I I guess I always come back to something along the lines of this. Like, every every Cowboy fan was disappointed with how the season ended, yet they wanted to bring all these guys back. How could you get rid of Amari? How could you let Randy Gregory go? How could you let Cedric Wilson? Well, these guys underachieved for you last year. So, what? you know, why bring them all back? Um, and that's an argument that the Cowboys will make. Like, well, you got to keep your own, all that kind of stuff, which – Yes, I, I think it's like everything. It's two degrees. Um, and that's why you can't say they're better right now. And I don't know how much worse they are. Like, do I think right now if they play the game, they go 12 and 5? Probably not. Do I think they'd still win the div division right now? Probably so. And that's not good enough. I get all that, especially after so long and um, – and I know history is against me there because no one's repeated as a division champ since 0304. But what we know right now, that I would say the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC East, and that might not mean anything, but it still gets you in the playoffs. True that. What do uh, <clears throat> I mean, I guess what they're hoping for is 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 the draft to make them better because at this point, any free agent you sign is basically a guy who unless they do the J. Ryan curse, it's just kind of a stopgap uh, help. Right, and, and this is the weird thing. Like, we can go back through the free agency of the last few years and, and the signings that they've made and, and how they've tried to not have holes, right? Like, they might not have, like, completely plugged the leak, but they put some duct tape over it at least so you can say, okay, if they had to play with this guy, they'd be okay at this spot going into the draft. So – they can set their draft board in a manner where everything's kind of pure and you're not pumping guys up because you need that spot. But this year doesn't 
seem to be that way with what they've done in free agency because who's the starter at left guard? Is it Connor McGovern? Like, he wasn't you, – they weren't shot in the ass about him by the end of last year, That, but now he's going to be their guy? Like, that seems to be an issue. Who's who's the right defensive end replacing Gregory? Is it Fowler? Okay. Well, he's had seven sacks in the last two seasons. Um have they done much there? You know, Dorrance Armstrong, they kept him at, you know, maybe they're just going at a, by a numbers game last now. They, they don't have a kicker that we know of, like the, the guy that they have signed, and I'm not going to say his name because you can get in trouble if you pronounce it incorrectly. Um, and Jock doesn't even know who the guy's name is, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, <laughs> he's kicked in like one game, so they don't have a kicker. Um, you know, they don't. They don't have a – is their number three receiver right now, Noah Brown? Because James Washington would be your number yeah. two receiver. So there's so many different positions that you can go through and say, well, they absolutely positively have to have this out of the track. Right? Isn't that how, That's how I look at it. Maybe I'm wrong, but, like, they have to have a guard. They they have to have a, a, um, a receiver. They have to have a linebacker. They have to have a pass rusher. They have to have a defensive tackle. Like, there's so many have to have that that's not how they've been gone, going about it here lately. Yeah, and it makes it interesting. We kind of mentioned this last week, but it leads you to the belief that perhaps they are going to keep all nine of their draft picks because at some point, even if they're just those fifth round comp picks, you, you've got so many positions where like you, you're saying you have to have a body, you have to have someone that's going to come in here. And how much do you expect? you know, those few picks that you have on day three of the draft that are really going to impact you, but you got to have bodies on the roster. Right. And I didn't think they'd make all 11 picks last year and they did. Right. I mean, you know, and maybe if I'm missing a trade or something, I apologize, but um, I know they, they traded up to get or traded back and got Parsons and things like that. Um, So I (laughs) like, I understand. It would still surprise me if they don't make some kind of move, but I don't know if it'll be a big move. But they didn't do it last year, so Trader Jerry no longer Trader Jerry. But then you look at the rest of the roster and like salary cap balance. You're going to need those four or five fifth round picks to, if not this year, next year, or the following year, balance out the high end guys so that are going to replace the guys that are leaving in the next couple of years that are going to be making too much money in the, against the cap. So all of it works together. Um, and that, that's why it's all so intriguing because they can go in so many different ways in terms of make the big, bold move up. I don't know if that really serves your roster well when you're trying to put it, put the team together because to me, you make the big, bold move up when you think you're one or two players away from winning a title. They can't think that, right? I hope not. Right. And And then – if you if you're keeping all your picks, then you're you're buttressing that for the future when you know you're gonna have to have some you're gonna have some contract issues because of how you want to keep your salary cap structured. So you better have the the lower end guys playing for you. Um, and they've drafted well. We can't argue that point. Like there's a lot of things we can say about the Cowboys and what they don't do well. Drafting is one of the things that they've done really well in in the last, well, I would just say since Will McClay took over. 2014. Right. I mean, you look at yeah. the, they have 
pro bowlers in almost every year, every draft that they've had, except the 19 draft. They've had second contract guys. We discussed that last week um, that, that they've had in every single draft. And they've had impact players, and they've had guys play right away for them. So, Will McClay's got he's, he's doing the job. Speaking of that, is he uh, is he the de facto GM? You know, you just want me to plug what you wrote on, <laughs> on DallasNews.com. Yeah, he does. Well, I mean, it was, it, was, it was the segue into that conversation. That's all it was. The, the notion that people think Jerry is a GM the same way Ron Wolf was a GM, the same way Bill Polian was a GM, the same way uh, John Schneider in Seattle now is a GM, the way Chris Career in Miami is a next I don't know if that's ever been the case. Um, and at least since I've been covering this team in 03, maybe it was back in the day, but it's not, and it's mainly a national perception that no one wants to seem to buy. Like, like they really think <laughs> Jerry goes around the draft room and says, Oh, you, you want this guy from Georgia? You want this guy from Georgia? You want that guy from Georgia? Well, sorry, I'm going to take the guy from USC. That's not how it works. And that's not how that's not how it worked around the Cowboys for a long, long time. So, um, you know, Jerry's the GM, but Will is the guy that probably carries out most of the GM duties, if if not the final decision making call. There you go. Is that a nice plug for your deal? I, although I do, I will say you had one quibble that I would say Jerry was not. The, mm-hmm. they, they took the contract language that upset randy gregory and his agent they took that out of the deal uh, eventually took that out and were ready to do it and jerry was okay with that so it wasn't like jerry was saying we're sticking with the contract language the thing that got jerry was when um they started asking for guaranteed money in the third year of the deal and jerry's like he'll when he politely told the el paso story to the guys <laughs> at the uh, owners meeting i was just like the only reason I asked you that question, in, in addition to pumping up my story, is that... No, that's when, the only uh, reason why. Nah, it's... Uh, <laughs> uh, I had Clarence Hill come talk to my class a couple of weeks ago at SMU. And he started talking about journalism and this or that. And you should have seen him laughing. And at one point, he kind of looked at him and like, what are y'all laughing about? And it's because he was really saying a bunch of stuff I had been telling him all semester about how you build relationships and this or that. And so my only point is it's always better when people hear it from other people other than me that I know what I'm talking about. So you, you, being, a, you being a real source of Cowboys information, when you say Jerry is, is doing what Jerry does, but he's not running around here looking at film, putting the draft right. board together, it just cosigns it. Yes, okay, here's two very knowledgeable, uh, well-spoken, articulate people saying the same thing. That's all. So you- you mentioned his name earlier, Matt, but Jacques just went down the Jason Garrett path of when he would tell tell us like you're coming up with fifty two or sixteen different sermons each each week for for the players, and you know sometimes the message has to come from somebody else to amplify what you're saying. So there's a lot Pretty of much. things that Jacques had, apparently has learned from the Jason Garrett era uh, with Dallas <laughs> football Cowboys. Yes, 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 I have. But, uh, you know, we're a playoff team on a regular basis here. Well, that's good yeah. news. <laughs> okay, okay, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, we got to explain to that. 
Calvin Watkins, our good friend, once got suspended from the morning news because Wade Phillips said something, and Calvin's response was something along the lines of, I, I could get my team to the playoffs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then he had to do bowl capsules for a few days. So. Can you imagine telling an NFL head coach that in a press conference? Like, basically your answer is, well, I could get my team to the playoffs. There are so many Calvin stories, it's hard to keep them all straight, but I think that might have come on the at the end of the 08 season when it was all unraveling from within. And then Calvin chimed up, well, I haven't been to playoffs. So. <laughs> all right. God bless Calvin. Well, it's easy to blame when Jerry's a GM, I guess, huh? Well, well honestly, this, a lot of the people kind of have Supreme Court justice jobs because if they, if they do if the Cowboys do poorly, it's because Jerry screwed it up. And if the Cowboys do well, well, Jerry gets the credit there too. Like, I mean, it's just, you can kind of hide from from the, the, the fire a little bit uh, by working over there because you'll never get a full share of the blame for when these things go, go bad. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, Jacques and I were talking about this earlier because it's one of those things where it is interesting – Anytime something goes wrong with the Cowboys, well, Jerry just would you know hire a real GM and get out of the way. And then when things go, we were talking about, okay, well, you don't hear a lot of people giving Jerry a lot of credit for putting together a team that went 12 and five. You know, you were talking about it earlier. They've drafted really well ever since Will McClay started doing what he does, which Jerry is allowing Will McClay to go out and be able to do those things. But at some point, there's there's a disconnect where the frustration of a season like last year, where you just wonder, okay, you, you provided the talent, you had a good team, you win your division, you go twelve and five. Is it the coaching? Is it the execution? It, it's, and that's the the question, I guess, that we keep kicking round and round that has led to the last twenty five years. Right, and and that's the deal, right? Because we've talked about, or you're, maybe we've not talked about it. We know the rock a little bit better, but perceptual the perception of the Cowboys roster is like, my gosh, that's one of the best rosters in the NFL. This was a top blah, 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 blah. It happens every year, whether it is or it isn't. That's the perception of the, of the roster. And they go 12 and five and like, well, what is it? so they, they put together a solid roster of solid players that earn, get pro bowl appearances for some reason, like wh- whether that's a legit way to look at it or not, maybe not, but, um, so if the roster's decent and everybody believes the roster is decent, so Jerry's going to be doing something right there. Where does the, the quote blame lie on why this team can't do anything in the playoffs, regardless of who the head coach has been from after Jimmy left, or I guess after Switzerland in the Super Bowl season, like, you know, they, they've not gotten to a, a, a championship game, whether you've had a hall of fame coach in Parcells, whether you've had a guy that was viewed as an up-and-coming, really good head coach in Jason Garrett, or you had the dutiful defensive coordinator type in Wade that, it, that they've won a lot of games. So is it all coaching? Like, is it all – like, what – it's, it's, I, I, it's probably a different answer for every season when we look back individually at it. But, I mean, now, you know, you, you can't – you can quibble with the roster, but the overall makeup of the roster – has been pretty strong for a good portion of time here uh, lately. Yeah, and that that's where I think, like Jacques and I were talking earlier, as you go back into your what you just said, I mean, in any given year when they don't get it done, you could look at it, it could be for a variety of reasons. And, and 
it's just too simple to say, well, it's, it's, it's Jerry, when the reality of it is most people around the league look at the Cowboys, especially over the last few years, as having one of the, like you pointed out, this is and has been a very talented roster that for whatever reason has not gotten it done. And, there, and it's for a variety of reasons, and it's just not as simple as, wow, well, Jerry would just get out of the way. Right. <laughs> right. Just, it drives me nuts when people say that. But like 2020, Dak breaks his ankle and they fall apart. 2015, Romo breaks his collarbone twice and they fall apart. 2016, Aaron Rodgers completes a third and 21 pass. 2014, uh, the Dez catch is over, overturned. 2007, Creighton drops a pass in the in the Giants playoff game uh, that that could have changed the the fortunes of that one. So, like, they've been if they have just cashed in on a 2007, a 2014, a 2016, maybe even 2009. Although they really got waxed up in Minnesota, so that one didn't count. Just one of those seasons and got into a conference title game. Maybe the venom this offseason wouldn't be as strong. Maybe I don't. I don't really know. Um, but so. no one wants. No one cares that San Francisco went from here to the next week and won at Green Bay against the number one seed yeah. in the conference. Like San Francisco is a really good team, and we talked about that leading up to the game. But it's not that San Francisco won; it's that the Cowboys lost, and they had fifteen thousand penalties, and they couldn't stop this guy, and they couldn't make the key play. La da 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 da. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you, you run into good teams, good players making great plays at key moments, and that's defined yeah. them at least since, I, I guess we got to say 2007 because they were 13-3 and three that year. Yeah, and that's where this, this whole thing can get crazy because you could look at it and, again, it's like, okay, well, the front office gave you the roster that had the talent to go 12-5 and five and be right down the field of maybe a play or two away from winning. And if San Francisco could have gone in and beat Green Bay, maybe they could have – who knows? But then you could sit there and say, okay, well, is it because – and this is what makes it so maddening. Like Trey Hendrickson, if the Cowboys had offered him in free agency last year, instead of going to wherever it was, Cincinnati – or in having all the sacks that he had for them, if they had played big money for him, would he have had a sack in the playoff game? And they would have, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but clearly neither do they. <laughs> right. And it, it, the answer can't be just keep doing the same old stuff that you've been doing for right, right. 20, 26 years. And they have changed, right? And Josh wrote about it. Like they've not made plays for big time free agents for the last decade now. I, I, I won't even call Greg Hardy a big play or even, I guess you can say McCoy's contract at 18 million bucks over three years was a that six million a year was big enough, but like they've not been at the top end of the market for for quite a while. They tried to get Sammy Watkins, whatever year that was, and he uh, went to Kansas City, right from the Rams, yeah. Kansas yep. City. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they offered him 16 a year, I think, and, the, and he passed on their bid. Um, so, but yeah, there there has to be a a different. Uh, you don't have to be the Rams. But you don't have to be at the the the, the blue light special either. <laughs> There's got to be a way that you can figure this out from a salary cap perspective and get it done. Because it, you, we've talked about this, the Amari deal. Well, they could keep Amari in Michael Gallup. No, you absolutely could have. You chose not to, and just live with that. Like that's the decision you made. Cool. Now find out. Now find a way to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. 
you know, because you can do whatever you want against the cap, and it might eventually get you. But as we discussed a billion times, if you win a Super Bowl, no one cares. You 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 got a five year free pass because you can always just well, you won a Super Bowl. And by the way, Trey Hendrickson, you're bringing a like. There wasn't one Cowboys fan that said they need to go sign Trey Hendricks. Right. No, no, not at all. And, and <laughs> you know, but you always wonder, is it is it that level of a guy that's uh, it, like Zedarius Smith or whoever it is in any given year that the Cowboys decide not to be on? Like, OK, well, is that the is that why they didn't beat San Francisco? Because they've decided not to sign a guy that might have had a sack. And then you just go crazy when you start trying to get to that level of it. And who knows? I mean, I, it's there's other good teams. It's hard to win. What New England did is not supposed to happen. It's hard to win. Right. You know, that, that's why, and we've talked about this, that's why Aaron Rodgers has only ever played in one Super Bowl or Drew Brees or Dan Marino or name the greats of all time that for whatever reason either never got a ring or only got there once because it's hard to do. And it's frustrating. The Cowboys screwed themselves by winning eight of the first whatever 30 Super Bowls or whatever it was. Five, five, going to eight, going to eight, winning five. Oh, okay. Like, wait a no, I, I added some titles. <laughs> Shocking. No, but I mean, that um, is true because they were so successful early on that when they reverted back, it, it's that would, that's the expectation. You're supposed to go to eight Super Bowls in 30 years. And the fact you've gone to zero in 25, you screwed yourselves. Okay. Well, I'll grant you that, but I don't know if zero for the next 26 is the way that you're not reverting to the mean. Like they, they no, should have. No, they should have been back a, at least a couple of times. And we know the year that they've yeah. had the talent to get it done, and they didn't get it done for again whatever reasons you want to come up with. They they they've not be it Jerry, be it the coaches, be it the players weren't good enough, be it that the other teams were just better than them. Um, and and this is why. But this is the frustration because. There are so many different answer, reasons as to why. It just seems like, you know, people fall back on the, well, Jerry just cares about making money. That's all he cares about. And they get sent out the release yesterday when they say a major business announcement for the Cowboys is coming on Wednesday. And all of a sudden it turns into, so yeah, that's all Jerry cares about. Well, I mean, one question I'm going to ask him the next time I see him is, you've said you'll do anything you possibly can to win the Super Bowl. Do you feel like you've done that? Good, good, question. good question. Like, obviously, the fans will say no. They haven't done that. I, I, I'd be very curious to hear his answer because if the answer is yes, I feel like I have. Then what would be the examples of you doing things that you feel like lead you to answer that yes? When, for instance, the Amari Cooper whole thing and, and not being as active perhaps in free agency or not if Sean Payton's your guy, not figuring out how to. I'm worth five point whatever billion. I'll give you twenty million dollars to come coach for me. Whatever the case may be. Yeah, let's close the door on the Sean Payton to the Cowboys stuff. I don't uh, just, think that's just ever going to happen. on an example of if there's somebody right. like what whatever it is that you want, the Cowboys that they really like you pointed out with the Mari Cooper. If you wanted it to to happen, you'd make it happen. Could have done it, right? Absolutely. And and not only could they have kept the Mari Cooper, they could have signed Bobby Wagner. They could have signed right. the Darius Smith. They could have signed anybody that you wanted to have named. They they could have done it, but it would have required them doing things in their mind that would have made made this unsustainable in the next few years, even with the salary cap going up, if not in 2023, 24, 25, something like that, it makes it unsustainable. Again, if you win a Super Bowl in the next few years, no one's going to care about what your salary cap looks like in 2027. 
Nah, bro. They spend way too much time thinking yeah. about balancing the budget and not enough time trying to win it right now. That's true. Why you got to, and we, why you got a and, core? And it, it, right. And this is this is the deal. What is Jerry? Now, Jerry always, he's got like six or seven, his biggest regret comments before it was, you know, not giving Chan Gailey a third year. And then it's turned, now it's turned into not winning a Super Bowl with Romo. It's going to be not winning a Super Bowl with Dak. Right? I mean, Dak's already in going into year, what are we going into? Is year seven for Dak? 16, 17, 18, 19, 21. Yeah, year seven. We're starting year seven for Dak as their starting quarterback. Yeah. Like, how many more does he have left? Yeah, and, and that's the maddening part, as you would think. If you, you obviously believe Dak is the guy that can take you there because you invested the money you invested in him. And if that's the case, why wouldn't you put all your focus in doing everything possible here in the next two, three years, whatever it is, to try and make that happen and then worry about whether you're balancing the cap, the cap or whatnot four years from now? It, this was well before me. So maybe the, it was it was so bad after the 90s run where they couldn't afford practice squad guys that they're saying it was that we can't do that again. But again, he won three Super Bowls in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, no one, who's talking about going 5-11, 2000, 2001, 2002? No one's really talking about that. No one really, you won, you won those Super Bowls with those guys. So, I mean, I, I, I understand their, I understand their thought process, if not completely agree with, with what they're doing. Todd Archer, as always, fantastic stuff, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Yeah, we do. Appreciate it. All right, see you. <laughs> see you. See you. There see he you. is, Todd Archer. <laughs> <laughs> that became a – that was a rare time where you didn't say much. Well, I was just listening. You guys uh, – you know, Archer was being opinionated. He was taking cheap shots at me, so I decided to uh, – <laughs> I thought maybe you choked again or something was happening. Nah, 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 nah. I was just sitting here listening to a riveting back and forth with – with you and Archer. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. <laughs> All right, so we continue. And before we get into the Dallas Mavericks, who are about to embark, as many of you know, on a playoff run. It's funny, we started off the podcast talking about random restaurants that either live up to the hype or don't. I will tell you this. There is one that we have hyped up quite a bit. And I got to tell you, after the hundreds of tweets and pictures I have to say they live up to the hype that we have given them, and that's Smokey John's Barbecue because we had another one. Was it today? I think it was earlier today. Yeah. When we had the picture, it was A. Ray Disc Golf. I remember his name on Twitter, and he had a delay at Love Field and decided to swing by Smokey John's and tweeted, yeah, here it is. It was from yesterday. It says, it was Ray. He says, flight is going to be delayed, so why not enjoy the Smokey John's goodness? And it's him with a picture of Smokey John's and his plate of their barbecue. And I'm telling you, if you haven't been and you haven't had an opportunity to experience that hype, you need to because they do live up to the hype <laughs> in every way. I mean, Because I've had multiple things off the menu, from the jam session bowl to anything that's on the actual menu to all of their sides. Everything that you can get at Smokey John's, at least from my experience, actually is really good. Nah, bro, they're, they're the best. The food's delicious. Uh, there's a lot of choices uh, you can make, and you can't go wrong with any of them, from uh, smoked wings to meatloaf. I mean, it's just, dude, it's... It's soul food at its best. Uh, now I'm partial to the Jam Session Bowl. And y'all know why, because it's on the secret menu, and you got to be a listener to understand mm -hmm. that it's there and it's available. 
But Smokey John's, man, they put that thing down. This one of the best restaurants in Dallas, no matter what genre of food we're talking about. So make it happen. It's Smokey John's Barbecue right there off of Mockingbird in between Love Field and 35. The Jam Session Bowl only available to Jam Session listeners. And, of course, as always, keep in mind, you can order their sauce, their rub online. You can have it wherever you may be at SmokeyJohns.com. Just click on Smokey's Market, and they'll ship it to you wherever you are. So the Dallas Mavericks wrap up the regular season. They had their best season since the 2011 title-winning team. 52-30 and is their final record. And now they are waiting. They are waiting to see when exactly they will start the playoffs. They will play the Utah Jazz. They will have home court advantage in the first round. It looks like, according to Brad Townsend, he was saying that it looks like the Mavs will probably tip off at noon on Saturday for game one, but none of that is set in stone yet. None of that matters because we're all wondering what the hell is going on with Luka Doncic's calf. So, And this is where I get the frustration. The Mavs are up by 18 late in the game of a game that really didn't matter at all in the 82nd game of the season when Luka reaches back and rubs his calf and all of us are thinking, oh my God. I mean, let's be honest. If Luka can't go, and at this point, they don't know if he'll be available or not. As a matter of fact, I just got something in the email, one of those things from Mavs PR they're acknowledging he has a calf strain. He has undergone treatment, and there is no timetable for his return. Nah, I think um, I'm not anticipating him playing in game one at all. I mean, I think you just wait till game two. Um, I've had a calf strain. I'm not Luka Doncic for any of you who, who think I am. Dude, what you don't want is for him to come in at 75% aggravated, pull it, strain it again, and then he's done for the series and you don't have to worry about it. It's better to be cautious. No series is won or lost on the first game. Perhaps, perhaps, and I think they were 8-9 without Luka this year. Perhaps you can steal game one off emotion and defense. But I'm not rushing him back uh, because I want him to play as much of the series as he can. And so if he's got to miss game one, he's got to miss game one. Yeah, it was interesting because Tim Cato, who covers the Mavs for The Athletic, had a article that came out today in which he had a super lengthy conversation with a doctor who used to be in, like a sports physician or whatever for a pro sports team right. and talking about like this type of injury. And again, he's going on. He doesn't work for the Mavericks. He has no inside information, but just talking about calf strains in general and how they relate to a basketball player. And he said kind of like that, that it, it could be one of those things where you're either there for game one or it's very possible you could miss the entire playoffs. Can I tell you my own personal belief, bro? I can't stand those fucking stories. <laughs> I really can't. I think they're fucking useless. And that's because if, if, and here's why, and this is me as a journalist, and I would tell my students in class this, I've done the beat. Tim Cato's done the beat. If you talk to Casey Smith, the Mavericks trainer, and you're just talking to him, nice report, you're just talking, and, and you'd say, tell me about Lucas thing and how does it compare to, to Taylor when, when he strained his last week. The first fucking word out of his mouth is, hey, Tim, Jacques, you know, no two strains are alike. They're all individual. They're all different. People's bodies respond differently to injuries and healings, and everybody is so unique that you really can't say what how it works. There's a very general 
statement, a great Wayne strain is, you know, one to seven to ten days in the great. But within that, everybody is so unique that I can't really compare those injuries between players. That's why you can see a guy come back from, a, from an ACL in nine months and be perfectly fine and a guy come back in 11 months and be like shit for a whole year. And so personally, I can't stand these, especially from a doctor who says, oh, I have no inside information and I don't really know what's going on with the man. Then what the fuck are we talking to you for? That's my journalistic soapbox you should, for today. You should text Tim Cato and let him know. <laughs> Not because <laughs> no, I thought it was I, I thought it was interesting that, because of what he was talking about is the differences in that part of the leg, and where Luca has the strain is higher up in the calf than the lower part of the calf, and that higher part has is meatier and has more blood vessels, and therefore it usually will heal quicker because of that. And so the Mavs can do some things that will help to stimulate that. That if it was lower in the leg, there really isn't as much as it, that, that you can do just because of the lack of the ability of blood flow to get through to that part. So I guess yeah. if you're looking for a silver lining, the fact that it is a little bit higher up in the calf is something that at least leads to the ability to apply a lot more treatment and try and get it healed a lot quicker than it would be if it was lower down. Now, the other thing you have to know is that he's getting 24-hour around the care deal. He's probably going to sleep with some kind of electric, electric oh, yeah, stimulus sure. on his leg. Uh, it reminds me of when Dirk had that thing uh, in the playoffs a few years ago. I guess it was like a decade ago. <laughs> but uh, the trainer at the time, Dion something or other, I never liked him. Um, I mean, I think that was fairly random to throw out there. But uh, he was going back and forth to Dirk's house with him trying to uh trying to get him healthy and sleeping over there and you know because that's what it is now because you only got seven games left as we look at it today and uh you know we'll see how it works yeah and it, it's just it really sucks man just be, the whole situation and it, it hindsight's always twenty twenty, obviously but why was he in the game why did he even play that game i i don't know and, and there's arguments that can be made on both sides of that. And Jason Kidd did what he thought they needed to do for whatever reason. And the hope is that Luca can just be ready to go. Because if not, this is a – we all know that. If not, hell, Jazz maybe sweep them if Luca doesn't play at all. This is it, – it's – it just sucks. Yeah, I was sitting up there thinking about it. Um, you know, injuries are such a part of the game. That if you play, you play. I mean, you know, we, we have this conversation with the Cowboys every year as they move into game 17. You know, uh, is it worth Dak playing? Is it worth this guy playing? Is it worth that guy playing? And it's always an interesting case because you can't predict injuries. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's not like, I don't know, it's not like injury. It's not, check this out. I'd have a much bigger problem. Do you turn on a vibrator? Wow. What is that? <laughs> That's the lawn man. Oh. <laughs> I was like, God, you got a big old vibrator you got going on back there? Dude. I heard it. Just... Number one, and I'm just asking, so inform me if I'm incorrect. Do dudes use vibrators? Some do. Wow. I mean, there are a variety of uses for a vibrator. Or, you know, maybe you were about to get a little crazy going on. I don't know what was happening. Oh, while I'm doing the podcast, someone self-pleasuring? I mean, what would I know? Uh, I wish I could see if you were smiling or not. 
No, I, w- I mean, I would say <laughs> no, none of that. I mean, I'm in my little office area focusing on doing the podcast, and I heard this weird <laughs> vibrating noise in the background. I was like, what the hell is that? First, I choked, then I pulled out a vibrator. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I am here by myself, uh, just trying to survive what has become a rather animated podcast. It today. really has, man. Holy crap. Uh, and you know, this has happened once before where the line man just happened to show up right while we were doing the show. And, uh, you know, I don't know. What can you do? Just rest assured, there's no hanky-panky going we'll on see. right now. No, now I can tell that it's what that was. But when it first started up, it was more faint. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> now it's obviously just a guy weed-eating or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the Taylor lawn will, will be nice. Well, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yes, it is. Which is good news. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, again, this thing. Oh, with, yes. I was going to say, my big problem, before we started talking about vibrators and rabbits and stuff, is that, um, like, say this has happened to Porzingis. It'd be like, now, dude, you know damn well Porzingis yeah. is hurt all the time. Come on, J-Kid. Don't do that. But Luca, 23 years old, sturdy guy. I mean, I'm not sitting here, and it was part of his normal playing time and rotation. I'm not sitting here bitching and moaning about it. And he was going to get a week off. I think that's the thing. Kid was like, I'm kind of playing him his regular minutes because he's got a week off coming up. And yeah. so, you know, I don't know. It's it just really sucks. Bad luck than anything. Yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. And nobody knows. Again, all we can do is wait and find out, and the Mavs are not going to tip their hand. The, we may not even know. if Let's say game one is Saturday officially. We may not even know until Saturday that the dude's going to play. Oh, I would expect that to be the case. They aren't going to help the Jazz put a yeah. game and, and there's no reason not to. But I will say with the way that Jalen Brunson has played, you know, like you said, maybe Brunson and Dinwiddie can, can hold it down for a game and get one and give Luka a little bit more time. And then even if Luca can't come back for game two and you split and it's 1-1 going to Utah, then maybe he can get back and you've given him some more time. And then, I don't know. But, man, because I, I, I was of the belief heading into Sunday night, the Mavs are winning. The Mavs would beat the Jazz in the first round and would get a shot at taking down the Suns. To, to, and I'll tell you this, if they can knock off the Suns in round two, they can beat anybody. Well, yeah. But, I mean, that's so far away now. That, yeah, geez. and that's the problem is now it's just I'm not even thinking about that. I, I don't even know if Luke is going to play. And if he, if he can't go for whatever reason, your confidence level and them finally getting out of the first round drops tremendously. Yeah, down to uh, 5.4. Yes, yes. Mine's probably 1.838. <laughs> but I could be – well, also, man, I mean, the, the couple times we've seen Luke in the playoffs, he's, he just is – on a different level in the playoffs. No, I mean, he's a he's a great player. That's what great players do, brother. Now, he's not going for 73, 14, and 26 like I do on NBA 2K, but, <laughs> you know, real-life Luka is still pretty good. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. 
Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.